is basically our point guard, two guard, guarding their power forward. And he says, get that out of here. Brown with two. Stands down on the football. Guys, welcome back to another Celtics Pulse podcast. This episode is brought to you by Yamble. Yamble is a brand new sports prediction app that lets you predict what will happen on the next play or the next few minutes of a game. Place your takes on the game and rack up points as they play out. The highest scores get paid out real cash every time. It's kind of like HQ trivia, except 100% free to download and play with payouts each game. Just search Yamble on the App Store or Google Play. That's Yamble, Y-A-M-B-L-E. So today, guys, I'm joined by Brendan. What up, Brendan? What's up, guys? And we got, uh, and we got a fan joining us from Twitter. His name's Matt. What's up, Matt? Hey, how's it going, man? Thanks for having me. No problem at all, man. No problem at all. So let's just jump straight into this. I know you and Brendan were talking about Al Horford just before we started recording. So do you guys want to break that down? Yeah, so Brandon, Al... Yeah, Al came out and said that... So, Al has a uh, player option for next year. It's about $30 million, which is obviously hefty. But um, he said that he'd be willing to opt out and talk for a cheaper contract if he got two more years on top of that. Uh, Meaning a three-year deal total. And I'm curious what you guys think cheaper is. Would it be, you know, maybe $20 million a year? Would you look at... Would you consider a three-year, $60 million contract? And I'm glad that somebody wants to stay long-term. I mean, people are talking about the Celtics are in this terrible state. Nobody wants to be there. And this is just fan base and speculation. But, like, I I don't see that being true for the most part. And Al being the first part of this, I'm very glad to have him sticking around. But it makes sense. 33 years old that he wants a little bit more stability. How would you feel about, say, three-year, $60 million? You know, I'm not sure if $20 million a season uh, would be, you know, too expensive. When I think cheaper, and I look at a guy like Al Horford, no matter what he does on and off the court uh, for this team, I think, you know, if we can get him somewhere in the range of three years, $50 million, uh, maybe even with a fourth-year option on that contract to kind of keep him in Boston maybe until he retires. Because although, obviously, Al played in the playoffs this season was – I mean, a little inconsistent, but he always manages to show up. Typically, the better of time. I think as the ages or as the ages go up for him, and as these years pass, especially for most centers, there's a pretty steady decline in gameplay. And I think if we're paying him twenty million through the end of his career, potentially, I think on the back end of that contract, it's either going to end up being traded away because he simply won't be able to, you know, put in the same numbers as he used to. Uh, either that, or you know. At twenty million a season, it could it could potentially just be a bad cap situation further when we have to extend certain guys on our roster in the next coming years. Yeah, I agree. I actually really agree with Matt there. There's a certain point where you need to not only think about allowing a bit of cap flexibility for the upcoming summer, but you also need to be looking out for the point where you are having to if we keep Jason and Jalen, then eventually those guys are gonna need bigger contracts. Having Hawford, who at that point is going to be, what is Jalen up for? What, so it'll be 34, 35, and he's still picking up 20 million, moving into 36. It just seems like a large amount. I don't know if you could front load the contract and try, but yeah. again, that doesn't give you the cap flexibility moving into this summer. And that's where we need it mainly, especially with the uncertainty that's happening at the moment. I just think that he's turning down a $30 million a year that you know, what is going to be enough for him. I, I understand what you're saying. I agree that Celtics-wise, you know, paying him $20 million when, like you said, he's 36 is going to be much. But if he's turning down a $30 million player option, and there will be other teams on the market that would be interested in Horvath, that maybe they have to do that. But three years 50, I could see uh, as a potential, and I would like that for both sides. I feel like that's a fair deal there. Yeah, that sounds fair to me. That sounds more than fair, to be honest. Because at the end of the day, there are other teams that are looking for looking at Horford, but are they going to be willing to offer him the same amount of money over three to four years? Are teams really going to start hindering their own cap flexibility at that point? 
Now, I mean, depending on the team, I could definitely see a couple teams out there overpaying a guy like Al Horford on the back end of his years simply because of the presence he brings into a locker room. And as a veteran mentor for these younger guys, the last couple of drafts have been a lot of big men coming out that I think would benefit a lot playing behind a guy like Al Horford. Um, and a lot of it also has to do, you know, depending this summer, him opting out and signing for less is all all going to be a matter of who is it that he's signing less to bring in. Anthony Davis is being brought in. I think it's that much easier for Al Horford to sign for the lesser money. If for some reason we can't swing a play for a bigger guy like that, I think, you know, at that point, pay him a little extra just, you know, as a courtesy of, hey, thanks for saving our cap a little bit this summer. Although we didn't make the big splash we wanted to with all these pre-moves, we certainly appreciate, you know, your ability to work with us. And I think Danny Ainge definitely, he, he takes care of players that want to be in Boston for the long term, especially guys like Al Horford that came in during a summer where the summer of the NBA when Al Horford came in was just headline after headline, you know, and I think Al definitely enjoys Boston. I think he wants to stay here, and I think if it means for a greater picture and maybe potentially getting a ring or two, he'll he'll take whatever deal, you know, seems right for him in that uh, instance. Yeah, and you talk about uh, what teams would be willing to throw that money. I mean, two that stick out to me that have max space but likely aren't going to land a max guy. They're still pretty young and could use that veteran presence, have a hole at that center, would be the Hawks. I mean, if he'd be interested in going back there. And the Kings, they both have max space. And like you said, the locker room presence, they both really need to fill that center position. So I think there's other teams that would be willing to throw that money because it's not anything that they're going to be spending anytime soon that, you know, having him there taking cap just while you're waiting until you're signing those extensions. It's kind of what the Celtics did when they first brought him in, except obviously he's a little older at this point. So I'm really, I have a good feeling that obviously the Celtics will be able to figure something out and keep him around. Agreed. I mean, he sounds interested in staying. I like Horford a lot. I feel like he gets a bad a bad end of the stick sometimes, just because obviously his box score doesn't show the full stats of what he does on the court. But yeah. I do think he's integral to this team. He's kind of him and Smart, in my opinion, are the two leaders. And then you've got Kyrie wanting to be in that same conversation, which is obviously polarizing anyway. But I think if Horford leaves, it hinders your ability to talk Kyrie into re-signing, and then it also, all of a sudden, you're kind of staring down the barrel of the gun. Agreed. Brenda, I know you're a Kings guy. Do you want him on the Kings? Oh, I 100% do. I think that he's absolutely perfect there, but uh, I am happy with keeping him on the Celtics. I think that he's the, like you said, he's one of the leaders of the team. He's a great presence. He just does everything that you would want from a modern center. His game doesn't necessarily rely on athleticism, so I think that his game will age fine. And, yeah, I think it'll be good to have him back. And uh, I do worry, though, like, if we're talking about, you know, this AD trade, which is going to be the talk all summer, it's going to likely, I mean, to make cap work, it's going to have to include, say, you know, the names thrown in there are Al Horford, Gordon Hayward, which I don't see either of those as likely, but more, more a better chance of it would be Marcus Smart. And, like, obviously, you know, talking about trading Smart for the player of that eight, that is AD and that caliber, you kind of would have to pull that trigger. But it really does suck to see what feels like a Boston lifer in Marcus and the way that he plays, his style, his attitude, having to make that work in order for salary. Like, I mean, uh, you would have to be okay with it, though, right? Part of me feels okay with it. The other part of me is like, look, anybody but Marcus, dude. Literally take anybody but Marcus. Yeah, I, I'm on boat with you there. At the end of the day, when I really look at the way our roster is constructed right now, of course, every I want to just be like, yeah, re-up, run it back, see what happens next year after another full offseason. And at the end of the day, Anthony Davis has had health issues in the past. He's not exactly guaranteed for a full season of play. And yeah, you know, Marcus Marcus missed some time, you know, for occasional instances, one or the other. 
but I don't I don't know if I necessarily think Marcus Smart giving him up is worth bringing in Anthony Davis. I think at the end of the day, there's one. It comes a point where it just might not be worth it. You don't want to trade a team's heart away for a kidney, if that makes sense. You That's know, a Marcus, good way to put it. Uh, Marcus Smart is integral to Boston's everything. He. When, when you think Boston and you think hardworking players, you think that grit, doing your job, and playing the game the way the game should be played, you think of Marcus Smart, and I just don't know at the end of the day if it meant Marcus Smart, I don't want Anthony Davis. I will trade anyone else on this roster except for maybe Jason Tatum. Gordon Hayward, give him up. Jalen Brown, give him up. I'll give away Robert Williams, Terry Rozier, Aaron Baines. Every single person on that roster can be had, really, except for Marcus Smart. I think he, at that at that moment, I'm, I'm pulling the deal. I'm not doing it if Marcus Smart has to be included. I, I mean, I think the other two ways that it works are Horford, but I think that if you give him an extension, it's a terrible look to trade him right after, obviously. Um, and I think it's also a terrible look for a franchise that already doesn't have a great rep after the IT thing, given obviously that was the best case for them. They got a great deal in that, but you don't have a good look with superstars. If you go and trade Gordon Hayward, who's just finally, you know, he's going to finally have a full off season to be able to recover from this, hopefully get back to all-star form. To me, like you can't include Hayward in a trade for, for something like that. It's just too bad of a look. My biggest thing, and I said this on the last podcast, and I'm going to be saying this all the way through the summer, is currently AD's going to come, whoever he goes to, and if I'm correct, it's on a one-year deal. He's going to be able to walk at the end of next year. For me personally, I'm not willing to give up much for a guy that we don't know is going to be staying. I've had enough with it with Kyrie all this year. I don't know if you guys are the same. But this will he, won't he saga has been an undertone towards the bad season that we've had. There's always that doubt. It's like, it's a do or die. We have to succeed, otherwise he's going to walk. You can't build a team like that. Look at the books. The books majority have been together for a few years now. It takes a while to build that familiarity and build those good habits. Constantly chopping and changing the roster and giving up some of your soul every time to do it. I mean, IT, we got, like Brendan said, we got the better end of the trade, but we traded part of the Boston soul. The reason Boston done so well when IT was there was because he embodied the culture just like Marcus does. So when you're talking about giving up Marcus, that's another part of your soul for a rental, effectively. And that's my biggest problem. I don't want to be giving up Jaden, Jason, Marcus, Gordon, all these guys that we've got tied down for a few more years that are part of the culture for a guy that's coming just because he wants to play with player X or player Y and if we're not successful he can bounce at the end of the year anyway True, I do agree with that uh, I think no matter what I don't, I don't know if any team in the NBA with the exception of a select few are going to be willing to trade for Anthony Davis without a guarantee that he would be re-signing that offseason. Something would have to be in writing. Uh, you know, because if Danny gave up the farm for Anthony Davis and he walked, that's his job. I, I don't care what anyone says. If we were to trade the farm for Anthony Davis and so by some slim chance he were to walk, the, the city would call for Danny H's head. And there's no way he risks that for the greater scope of things. I think he would prefer to run it back, make a couple of key small free agent signings to increase a couple of different uh, aspects of our game right now and let Anthony Davis go and wallow in L.A. not to win anything for the next five years. And part of me is happy with that, dude. I mean, with the Kyrie situation, that's going to be another undertone all through the summer. It's, it's just monotonous, bro. The starting the year he's going to sign then he's coy on it, and now he's just like, I'll make a decision when I'm ready. Fair play. Go and have a look around, you know, speak to whoever you need to speak to. But you made a verbal commitment to the fans at the beginning of the year. So forgive me, if unless there's an ironclad demon blood contract on Anthony Davis that he can't leave or the hellhounds are coming to get him, 
Now, I'm I'm good not having him do run it back. And if Kyrie walks, then you have that's a different story because the cap space and the mess it leaves us in at that point is a completely different scenario than the AD. See, when it comes to uh, Kyrie walking, however, I think it's far more likely at the end of the day this summer that if Kyrie were to be leaving Boston, it's going to be the same manner in which Blake Griffin uh, was moved from the Clippers. I think a sign-in trade would be much, much more likely simply because Kyrie knows, you know, it's not Boston did everything we could this time around, and it's not Boston's fault he was even moved from Cleveland to begin with. He wanted out of Cleveland. I would like to think Kyrie would do right by Danny and sign that deal and then allow that contract to be traded elsewhere. That way, our cap would be a little bit more maneuverable, and the Celtics would be much more likely to be able to recover this summer if Kyrie were to leave. I mean, I agree. That's a factor that could help massively. I mean, you can go over the cap for him due to the bird rights. Then moving him's fine. Now, the one question I've got for you is at the start of the year, I don't know how much of the podcast you listened to when we first got off the ground, but we were talking very big on if Kyrie leaves, we, we just re-up on Rozier. Where are you guys standing on that after this season, after the comments he made the other day? Uh, I'm personally good to just watch, see the back of Rosier now. Brandon, you want to go? Yeah, you know, I think that we've seen him excel in a starter role. I don't like that he came out and said he's a top-tier point guard in the league, but, I mean, I you need to be confident, you know? I mean, I, I so I can't really hate on him for that necessarily. I wouldn't mind him as our starting point guard. Um, but am I going to be shell-shocked if he does walk away? Not really. So he's not a major focus for me. I mean, if Kyrie walks, I would like to see Terry there, but I would be totally fine with running Marcus as our starting point and then having, you know, maybe if you can land a Tyus Jones, Corey Joseph, something like that as a small uh, backup point guard, then I'd be fine with that also. So I'm, I'm not really shook either way. And Terry's going to get... To me, I've always thought that Orlando is perfect for him, and I really wish we would have traded him before the deadline. Um, I think that somewhere like Orlando or Phoenix, places that are just desperately in need of a point guard, are going to throw more money at Terry than what we're going to want to match. Yeah, that's the biggest thing with Terry this summer, is that given he is a restricted free agent, you know, I, I guess he kind of has to you know, talk himself up, talk about him being an elite point guard, top-tier point guard in the league. Because he is looking at money. So, depending on who goes after him and what they're willing to give him, if it gets over a certain dollar amount, I'm not willing to match it for Terry. I definitely like Rozier as a player. I enjoyed watching in college. The grit that he brings on the court is very, very Boston, to say the least. He did. I wouldn't mind, you know, looking at his jersey on the floor for more minutes. Because at, at the end of the day, Terry Rozier is good enough where if we did bring in bigger pieces and we were able to keep Terry around, Terry wouldn't compromise the flow of the game. Uh, I, I've always had this comparison when you think of point guards that are perfect at their role and what they do and are key cogs in championship teams. I always think of a guy like Derek Fisher during his Lakers run. And if Terry Rozier can be Derek Fisher for our hopeful championship run, on, on the right deal, I think, you know, keep him around, especially if Kyrie walks. If we can keep te uh, Terry between 16 to 20 million, I'd say. I don't know if I want to pay more than 20, 21 million for Terry. But if we keep him around and continue grinding with him, I'm, I'm cool with it. I won't necessarily be upset if he leaves and goes elsewhere. If that's the case, good for him. I, I only wish him the best. And like you said, if Marcus Smart needs to be ran as our primary ball handler and our primary guard, I'm not necessarily going to say no. That opens up the court for another another member of the offense to get on and really try to do some damage. Uh, I like when Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart are on the court together. I think that would be a very, very intriguing backcourt option for this team. And, yeah, I mean, if Terry, if Terry stays, I'm cool. If he leaves, I'm cool. At the end of the day, whatever is best for him, I think, is I think all right for everybody. The so, one statement I did agree with that Terry made was that he sacrificed a lot this year. Yeah. 
I mean, part of that comment was definitely in regards to money. That's obvious. It's a contract year. He was, he didn't really come out into the media and say anything bad. He kind of kept his head down, played his role. To me, that might have actually earned him some extra money because it proves that he can put the team before himself. We spoke about that a lot with Morris earlier in the year. Yeah, I mean, he didn't play great in that uh, kind of team role. But yeah, I get what you're saying that he wasn't, he didn't seem like a cancer in regards to how he was speaking. But on the court, it was very apparent, very much trying to get his when he had his minutes, you know, and it was because that lack. But he's also a rhythm guy where Terry just isn't a player that can get limited minutes and contribute. Like he needs to be able to have that confidence in himself and feel like the organization, the coaching, and fan base has that confidence in him as well in order for him to play at his peak so he he just needs his minutes I mean so if we don't have Terry are you cool with say your starting lineup next year is Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, Jason Tatum, Al Horford I mean are you comfortable with that? I'm super comfortable with that I'm a fan of the young core we've got currently I don't know about you Matt personally me I'm very very big on Seeing how this plays out, we drafted these young guys. They've learned within the system. When Jason and Jalen are uh, like switched on, and they're having a good game, they're they're fantastic. I'm really really cool with that. But then we need to really look at the bench because it was evident against the books that our bench was overhyped more than anything. We just didn't have the length and the athleticism to guard those while the books bench. Yeah, well, that's why you have to draft picks. True. Uh, I definitely agree. You know, if our starting five is Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, Jason Tatum, Al Horford, I don't, I don't know if anyone can necessarily complain with that lineup. There's a lot of talent there. Uh, I agree with what you said about our bench being a little overhyped. Uh, I think the issue with the with our bench this year it was because it was containing a lot of players that have been in and out of starting jobs and definitely need their minutes to get going. And, you know, for them to hit their strides. And sometimes the team, we have so much talent on a team like that. We have so many players that are almost used to having to do more work than they really should have to. Uh, it, it can compromise the flow of your game a little bit. Terry needs his minutes. I think Marcus Morris definitely needs minutes to really, really contribute to a game for the most part. Um, obviously, you know, Gordon Hayward coming off the bench, he had a slow start. Uh yeah, he, he was really just slow all season, whether he was starting or coming off the bench in the game. He was having a hard time finding rhythm. And, you know, if we lose, say, if we lose Kyrie and we also lose Terry, we're really going to have to look hard at the free agent point guard market to really make sure our bench is capable of getting going. And I think that that brings back a, uh, a big key cog in what Boston's been trying to do. You know, Isaiah Thomas is a free agent this summer. And if Isaiah Thomas coming back to Boston means the integrity of our team carrying forward, I think you guys can both agree. Let's welcome Isaiah Thomas back with open arms. I don't think he would be too expensive. I think, you know, Boston bench would be a near perfect role with how the team is constructed right now for Isaiah. And it, it, I would, you know, I bought too many jerseys a couple of years ago and <laughs> not have Isaiah come back. Uh, the question is, I mean, the big question really is, would Isaiah come back to Boston for a bench role? That's where I, that's my question. He left as King of the Fourth. He's coming back as our sixth man, most likely. Is he going to accept that role? Uh, I think he does. I think you can be King of the Fourth and still be a sixth man off the bench. If Marcus Smart is our starting guard, there's no one, there's, there's, there's nothing telling us that Marcus Smart can't be slotted into the two, depending on the matchups that we might need. If Isaiah Thomas can start a game and we slot Marcus Smart in as our two guard, the offense isn't compromised by any means. I think at that point, it, it would almost be, for Isaiah, it would almost be a hybrid role, much like he played, you know, when he was here before. If the talent is right and Isaiah is willing, you know, to play anywhere between 20 minutes to 30 minutes a game, whether it's off the bench or at the starting position, I think he would welcome that. I think, you know, between his time in L.A., his time in Cleveland, even this season in Denver, 
Isaiah Thomas hasn't seemed at home anywhere except for Boston. And at the end of the day, I think I think it would be great for Isaiah Thomas's career. I think it would keep him in the league longer because I don't know what the market is truly going to actually look like him for this summer. And I think Boston is almost a clear front runner without the discussion even being had. Yeah. Brendan, what and, do you think? You know where I stand on Isaiah. I'm yeah, down I, to I mean, I love the guy. Uh, obviously, I mean, who doesn't? It's a Celtics fan, you know. And it, there were videos yesterday before the Game Seven of Denver. This guy has not played any minutes for Denver all year, minus a maybe two week stretch when he first got back from injury, till they decided he just wasn't going to happen for them. And he's the first guy out on the court warming up for Denver on a Game Seven situation where he's not going to get any minutes. Like, how can you not love this guy? And I think that if say we're coming down the stretch in a Close game late, where if you have an offensive possession, then you're throwing Marcus in there, or you're throwing IT in there, and then instead of Marcus, and then when you have a def- defensive possession, assuming that you know we're down to the last minute, you get timeouts to switch and so and so, that you're throwing Marcus in there for defense. So I think that you can make it work fine. Um, but then there's also the rest of the bench where you're likely not going to be able to afford Marcus Morris. Uh, we talked about Terry Rozier. Tice said he's going back to Germany. I mean, you really got to hope to hit on these draft picks is what it feels like. I mean, you can use like your mid-level exception. Maybe you get a Reggie Bullock, Wayne Ellington, something like that. But it, to me, these draft picks really need to pull through and hopefully a jump from time Lord. Now, do you, do you really think Marcus Morris priced himself out of Boston? I don't know if I agree. I, I At the end of the day, although maybe for, for us watching the team, you know, we we saw the value of Marcus Morris, but stats-wise and total numbers, did he really earn enough money for him to consider leaving town? I think a lot of these guys that we have on our roster right now are more committed to a team-friendly option just because they put in the work with this team and they want to see they want to see to it that this ends with a ring. I think it's the I think for someone like Marcus Morris, he doesn't want to end up like his brother and be lost now in the shadows of. NBA, you know, journeyman rosters, and I think if he can stick around, you know, obviously pay him more than he's making right now. I think he's making what, a little over five million a season right now. You know, if it, if it's between eight and ten million, I think we could definitely make it work to a certain degree, even maybe a little cheaper than that. Get get give him a little bit of reward for his commitment, but I don't see him pricing himself out of town this summer. I really don't. I feel like he's been very patchy. I can't think of a better word to describe it. When he's hot, he's hot. When he's playing well, he's a fantastic addition to this team. There are games and there are stretches of games where the dude just makes you want to headbutt a wall. I don't know if you guys agree. Sometimes I feel like he's just putting up every putting up everything as soon as he sees the rim. And then other times I'm like, damn, where would we be without Mook? Yeah, very true. Very true. And, and he is, but he is a hustle guy. Like, he's the heart of a team that he's going to give you 100% effort every single time, even if that does mean he's throwing up too many shots or anything like that. And the numbers don't look great, but, I mean, the organizations we're talking about are, are all going to have watched games, you know? Like, it's not like they're just looking at numbers. I don't know. I, I just don't... The Celtics don't have much money at all. Uh, especially, you know, Kyrie leaves that's going to leave us really thin with not a lot of money at all to work with that I, I just don't know. I could see a team getting... There's a lot of money around that maybe a team is willing to throw 12 to 15 at Marcus Morris. I do feel like Hayward, with Hayward, having him close to Utah level next year is going to be the deciding factor on exactly how successful this team is. Yeah. Agreed. I feel like, like that's non-negotiable. If Hayward plays another year like he did this year, then I'd don't think we get out of the second again. I just can't see. Assuming yeah, we bring it back. If Hayward is playing at, you got to think, if Hayward played at Utah Jazz Gordon Hayward level, we probably wouldn't be having half of these discussions right now. You know, that we, we would have had a completely different season had Gordon Hayward been back to 100%. So if we, if we run it back and Gordon Hayward plays like the Gordon Hayward that got that max contract, I don't think it really, to a certain degree, it may not matter who sticks around and who leaves because at that point, Gordon Hayward can play point forward. He can bring the ball up to court and set the offense uh, 
it, it definitely is up to him to be able to get back to that level. But uh, that it, it's hard to say, you know, is the team actually going to perform the way we hope it to? You would think 90% chance if Gordon Hayward's healthy and playing right, this team is going to succeed. But what if Gordon Hayward at 100% doesn't bring success? What happens then? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm confident in the Gordon situation. I think that we had way too high of expectations for this year. I mean, obviously, there was a crazy injury, and it just takes a long time to recover from this. It took Paul George, what, a year and a half uh, for a fairly similar injury almost. And Gordon had another surgery months before, uh, a couple months before the season started. So we got a little bit of tastes of it at the end. I felt like that closeout game of Indiana was one of his best ones. Obviously, he showed up against those Timberwolves games and the last couple weeks of the regular season. I I think that he's a perfect role player almost in a way, except on a higher level, but he's not going to be taking the spotlight from these other guys. He's an amazing distributor. Like you said, he can play that point forward. I'm really confident in Gordon going forward. I think that if Jalen, I mean, if uh, Kyrie does leave, then Gordon is potentially our best player next year. And that's, that's not a bad thing at all. No, definitely not a bad thing. I'll agree with you there. I don't think anyone in the league would complain with Gordon Hayward being, you know, your top player. I think he's definitely a key piece in this team. And if he's playing his best basketball, Boston as a whole will be playing his best basketball. Yeah. So moving on to draft picks, Brendan, I know you've been looking at potential picks and you mentioned we've got three picks, potentially four. So what do you see these guys doing with them? Do you think they're going to package it to move up, package it in a trade deal, or are we just going to, you know, sign, keep signing stash and then maybe bring in someone? Because we need athleticism on the bench. We need length and athleticism. Yeah, I think there's a good chance that you see them trading some of these and then bringing back some actual assets. I mean, I had said Josh Jackson a lot before. Obviously, he nearly just got arrested today. You don't know how that changes anything. That makes um, him cheap. Yeah, yeah, right? But I've always liked Josh Jackson. Guys like that, maybe... Um, I, I don't see this one as realistic, but another name I could throw in there would be a Jonathan Isaac, potentially. Something like that. You could get another young wing-type player or even maybe a little bit more of a role guy for some of this because I feel like that's a way that you're going to have to fill out this roster a little bit. Um, there's not great guys on the market necessarily that are going to be super cheap in regards to that wing position. So I could see them trading some of these. And also, if you do manage to hold on to them, one of them will probably be a Yabu Sele type pick where it's an overseas guy get stashed for a year. Um, or I also have kind of explored the potential of do you package these four picks? And if the Memphis one doesn't convey this year, then it's only top six protected next year. And then I believe it goes straight to unprotected the year after that. That's a very valuable pick. I mean, Memphis isn't exactly getting better by the year right now. Uh, They're going through a little bit of a rebuild. Where do you package these and try to get into that? I think that you could get up to the number four pick, potentially. You know, that maybe that you're looking at if you want to get even a little bit later than that, like if you do want to fill the point guard, do you explore like a Kobe White? I've seen Darius Garland. So I don't I don't know. I think that there's a lot of flexibility with it, but my guess is would that be that they get traded. Either to move up because there's a guy that they really like. I mean, we've seen Danny do that before. He tried to do it with Justice Winslow. <laughs> um so I think that they either get traded up for a guy that they really like, or they get traded out as getting some nice assets from other teams, hopefully young guys with a little bit of potential that teams are giving up on too early. Who are Eastern European. If we're going to draft people, we need Eastern Europeans. They seem to be dominating <laughs> everywhere right now, bro. Fuck. Did you see that thing? Just to, just to go off topic a little bit. Did you see where uh, Paul Zingas got his ass whooped? I did, yes. Oh, God. Yeah, we did. need to, the Celtics need to find who whooped his ass and draft him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, he, he's gonna, he must have a long reach if he was able Seriously. to, uh, that's what that I'm saying, bro. That wingspan heard, must be phenomenal, dude. I mean, yeah. he hit him hard. I heard that he got a glass thrown in his face. That's a that, word. Would, that means he's got power, dude. 
<laughs> it, well, honestly, if she was able to hit Chris Stapps in the face with a glass, maybe hopefully it was from distance, and maybe uh, maybe John Henry might just have to call him and add him to our pitching staff in Boston. Exactly. We need help, we need help on the diamond at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, maybe it could be swung in our favor that way. It could but, have um, been Nikola Pekovic for a winner. Oh. <laughs> uh, I, I for you know I kind of forgot he existed. Wow, honestly, uh, it's it's really funny when I was thinking about players on the trade market that we could certainly maybe move picks around for to try to you know bring back our bench. A buddy of mine was like, "How much does Dion Waiters make right now?" And I looked at him and said, "Dion Waiters." I didn't realize Dion Waiters still plays basketball. And then I looked at the contract that Miami is paying him, and I said. I don't want to give up anything for Dion Waiters. Good try, though. Good try. Yeah. I've been saying it. I caught a bit of heat on Twitter. And then after, he had a game, dude. But um, Rodney Hood, man, he's big. He's athletic. He can play the two. He can play the three. He can get hot. I wouldn't mind having a guy like Hood on a team-friendly deal coming off the bench. He's not a superstar. He's not going to make any headlines. But I think he can kind of do an Evan Turner role, but a bit better. You know, Rodney Hood definitely caught a bad rap after he got moved to Cleveland in that massive deal that they had to try to rebuild their roster at the deadline last season. And, you know, just because I, especially with Twitter, if Twitter is getting mad at you about something like Rodney Hood, it's because they watch too much LeBron James basketball. They think because someone can't play well with LeBron, it means they're not a good player. I would gladly take Rodney Hood in Boston. I think he's extremely underrated for what he can do for a team. He is athletic, and he has shown in flashes that he can provide a lot of spark off the bench. I'm also thinking of guys like Wesley Matthews because he would be extremely cheap. Same thing with Danny Green, depending on you know, depending on how Toronto does. You know, Danny Green might stay around there, but uh, also another player in terms of wing guys that I think can provide a lot of athleticism off the bench at a good cost. Not a lot of people are talking about Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Uh, you know, being in being in North Carolina, uh, I still get to watch a lot of Hornets basketball. And MKG fell out of the rotation uh, this past year. He used he was on track for a while to be one of the better defensive backcourt players in the league, and I think he would be willing to take a very cheap deal given his health in the past. If it meant limited minutes that he could play, play significant ball in, MKG is definitely someone we should also entertain bringing in as well. And this is what I want for the Celtics this summer. I understand we're not going to be making splashes. I'm fine with that because I feel like our core is exactly where we need it to be. What I do feel at the moment is with some of the players leaving, with some of the holes and the stylistic change that we need to make to be able to contend with teams like the Bucks now, going after these sort of guys, these defensive, athletic, long guys, is really where we need to be focusing our attention on. That's why I'd be really happy to get the Kyrie saga over and done with one way or another, the AD saga over and done with one way or another. And then I'm really interested on how we're plugging these smaller holes. That's more interesting to me right now. I'm done with all this big free agent talk. It's getting boring. Agreed. Exactly. Take take care of what needs to be taken care of so we can focus on the actual parts that will keep the boat sailing. Exactly. Uh, and I'm very, very big on that, like, if Kyrie wants to stay, let him stay. If he wants to go, go. But don't drag it out because Danny and the team need to go and do other things too. I don't right, feel I right. feel like they're pandering too much. I'd like a statement like, look, this, you've got until this day. After that, you can do what you want to do. We're done. Yeah. Agreed. And just to kind of throw some other names in there looking at that wing, um, there's Damari Carroll, who's a decent 3 and D guy. I like Trevor Ariza. Obviously, you don't. I don't know what the price is going to be for him. He might be a little bit too hefty. Uh, Rudy Gay is a little bit on the older side, and to talk even older, but I think is still a good role player, veteran presence would be like Jared Dudley could come fairly cheap. I um, would like Dudley. I like yeah, Dudley I think, just because he hates Ben Simmons. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I think there, there's okay options, and like you're saying, it's interesting to fill this out. And if we're talking backup point guard, I mean. Corey Joseph, Alfred Payton. Um, Jeff does he get, is a free agent now. I think that he actually he just accepted his player option because it was ginormous. Okay, that would make sense. I probably yeah. would in his situation too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They do have Tyus Jones there though. I mean, we talked about this on the last podcast. I really like Tyus Jones, but that's a restricted free agent, and I would assume that Minnesota wants to bring back one of their actually exciting young guys. Um, 
so anything's possible in Minnesota, dude. Yeah, exactly. I mean, very true. Ish Smith in there, so there are some okay options. Uh, now you, has Goran Dragic accepted his player option with Miami yet? I am not sure on that one. I would think that he would, right? Wasn't he on a pretty yeah. large contract? Yeah, I feel like between like eighteen and twenty million. Not like we could afford Goran Dragic anyway, unless unless we're unless you know it's some multi-style NBA 2K style deal. I don't see us landing anything like that. And that actually brings up my thing that I thought about with Kemba Walker. Uh, if, if you play some really fancy, you know, 2K sports style cap management, there is always a possibility where you could pull Kemba Walker into Boston. The entire roster would pretty much be reset and blown up to pieces. But hey, I enjoy my UConn alumni. And <laughs> Kemba Walker would be a lovely jersey to have in green. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't I matter agree. about results, it matters about the jersey yeah. and, exactly. and the wardrobe, dude. I like it. Uh, no, but seriously, dude, um, I like Kemba Walker. I don't feel like people on Twitter especially really understand the the gravity of Kyrie leaving. A lot of these people are like, yeah, let him walk and go get Kemba. Well, it's not that simple. Yeah, um, it, I wish it was that. If it was that simple, I don't I think a lot of people would be totally okay with Kyrie Irving if it meant a cheaper contract with a guy that's just as steady like Kemba. But it's not easy, unfortunately. Nothing's easy, it seems, this summer. Yeah. So, on the Drogic situation, just looking into this real quick, on the 26th of last month, he said he was still undecided on his $19 million player option. I would bet that he takes it. Especially, he only played in 36 games last year. So for me, I- I'm pretty confident he's taking that. I mean, dude, oh, yeah, who the fuck taking the money and running? Who the yeah. fuck is undecided on if they're going to accept nineteen million dollars? <laughs> right, must be a nice, uh, nice yeah. problem to have. Yeah, it's like, oh, I'm not sure if I'm going to take this nineteen million dollars. Shut the fuck up! Of course you are. Yeah, Dora Dragic on this card, fifteen on the open market. He yeah. to take or to not take nineteen it's on this card. He's already made sixty-five million and wow. thirty million on the last contract. So I think that that's the only reason he's able to debate that <laughs> because he's wow. got an OK bank account already. Yeah, yeah but we're talking nearly a third of that on top for one more year. It's true. It's true. Now, it's now that fun. now that contract didn't Phoenix originally give him that contract? No. So Phoenix gave him a four-year, thirty million, and I think and then I want to say, yeah. And then Miami okay. gave him a five-year, eighty-five million. Jeez, oh, that was that was the summer that everyone was blowing money. That's the Timothy Mozgov like fifty-six million dollars summer, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. New Orleans. Yeah. Timothy bro. Mozgov got sixty-four million dollars. My bad, sixty-four million dollars for Timothy yeah. Mozgov. That and then Lou Dang got a boatload of money for being the worst player ever. Oh, yeah, it's crazy. Now, did Lou Dang retire, or is he going to be a nice little veteran minimum guy that gets picked up for? Man, fuck you, old thing. <laughs> yeah, oh, this, is because, this is because Adam has previously actually played with Luol Deng. He's a uh, he played in the UK. Wow, oh, that's impressive. Well, he was uh, a few years older than me, so we, um, I don't know if you guys have it the same. There's like age groups for your teams. Yeah, and um, yeah. I stepped up a few age groups because I was awesome, and then um, I was on the bench because I was young and skinny compared to so these grown ass men. And uh, yeah. one of the guys on the court was Luol Deng. Wow. I didn't that's know who the fuck he was for about four more years. However, <laughs> that's still that's still a nice story you can tell at parties. Yeah, by the way, there's no proof of this, but he says it all the time. <laughs> when I come back out to LA and I dunk on you, that'll be my proof. <laughs> okay, sure, sure. I can't dunk. I'm 31 years old, man. I can barely run. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Well, who was I about to just bring up? Oh, we were talking about, you know, needing veteran pieces at cheap costs to uh, fill out our wing positions. Uh, does Boston make a return? The always lovable Gigi Datome from, oh, you geez. know, he's the, the ponytail sharpshooter himself. I'll, uh, I'll gladly entertain that return. I don't know about anybody else. I miss those years. I honestly legitimately miss those Boston years where, you know, Gerald Wallace was in town for a little bit. Then we had Gigi, we had Evan Turner. Uh, there's just 
back then, you know, there's, there's a couple of years in between everything just seemed like very genuine years as Boston fans, no matter, no matter what we struggled with and no matter what our record said, I feel like a lot of people in the city were able to enjoy a couple of years of basketball stress free. Just, we just enjoyed yeah. watching guys play pure basketball and enjoyed doing it. I loved Jared Wallace. Um, I liked a lot of that team. Sully as well. I enjoyed watching Sully play. Uh, fuck Chris Humphreys. Hate that guy. <laughs> Said it a thousand times. Can't stand him. Don't know why. Uh, <laughs> hey, Jared Sellinger is in shape again. His Twitter always has workouts. Oh, <laughs> Get Phil Pressy back, dude. There's the point guard. If we need a point guard, I'm back up. Go find Phil Pressy. Oh, oh geez. Wow. He's probably, he's probably destroying someone at a YMCA right now. <laughs> I'm telling you, dude, that was, that was our first little guy before IT came out. I loved Phil Pressy, dude. Yeah. So does Avery Bradley have one more year? Um, he uh, has. That's a good question. It does look like he has one more year on his contract. Is it an option year or is it is it fixed uh, a fixed salary year for him? Um, he, he did sign a two year, almost twenty five million. So it's a fixed salary. Okay. No, that would be that could possibly be an intriguing, you know, trade target depending yeah. on how everything goes. That would be a horrible salary to have to absorb. Yeah, I'd be happy for Bradley to come back. I like his shot. I like his defense. He doesn't fit anywhere since Boston. That's a lot of players, dude. Yeah. Now he he is still with the Clippers, Avery Bradley, right? He's with Memphis. Oh, that's right. He got moved in that this uh this last trade deadline, did he not? Yeah. Wow, if I was him, I'd be a little upset because the Clippers, I feel for any player when they get moved from a team and then suddenly the team they were just traded from begins to excel rapidly after the trade deadline. That must, that must put a little bit of salt in them for Avery Bradley watching, you know, the Clippers excel out of nowhere. But granted, who thought Shemette was going to become the greatest shooter in the Western Conference for a matter of three weeks? <laughs> Straight and they got that shoot, dude. I saw Shay yeah. play the, um, towards the beginning of the year. He was really good. Avery Bradley was still on the team. He was good. Um, Tobias was good. I just love Boban. I spent most of my time shouting abuse at Boban. <laughs> oh, Boban. <laughs> it's a dream, but if we could somehow pull off getting Shea from the Clippers, oh my God. Oh, that's never happening, bro. I know. I know yeah, it's, it's not. not happening. I don't think I know it's not. Rivers knows Danny too well. He's not getting shot. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Jerry West, will, tell, Jerry West will stand there with a shotgun. In front of Shea, <laughs> at the outside the uh, outside their brand new multi-billion-dollar arena, cocked at the moment Danny's car pulls into the parking lot. Yeah. And go on, get you're not getting anything here. <laughs> <laughs> Was that a British accent? Uh, no, it's usually my just like go to old people accent. You know, some raspy <laughs> accent to her voice. <laughs> Sorry, because honestly, a lot of this might sound crazy, but there's a lot of old Southern people that just for some reason sound European, and I really don't understand what it is. I, I I have never been able to figure it out for as long as I've been living down south. I just it's absurd, really, really absurd. Most Americans confuse me for Australian. I don't know how, but it happens a lot. Anyway, I can <laughs> see it. I guess I can see it. No. We sound so different. Anyway, anyway, anyway. I do not sound like Aaron Baines. <laughs> That's another thing. What what does Boston do about Aaron Baines this summer with his free agency? Do, do we keep him around? I think he's got another year, right? He does have one more year, yeah. Does he? Yeah, yeah he signed I, a two-year deal more. last year. Oh, that's But there's right. some sort of option on this year. It's a player option. Yeah, he ain't going nowhere. Okay. okay. It's not even no. like he can opt out and sign for less. He's on pretty much five right mil, now. five and a half for next year. Now, now, what if uh, would you would you give up Aaron Baines if it meant paying around nine to ten million a year for Brooke Lopez if he leaves Milwaukee? Yes. Yeah. But I yeah. I'm done. See it happening. True. True. And I, I think that some team would throw. 15 for two years of Brooke Lopez or something like that. The same two teams that I mentioned earlier, uh, Sacramento and and uh, 
Atlanta. They both have some money and just need to fill a hole for a little while while their young guys develop. And he can space, dude. That three-point shot prolonged his career. Not ridiculous. 100%. Who would have ever thought that Brooke Lopez could turn into a three-point stroker? Yeah, and there's dribbles, there's step-back threes. It's like some limitless range stuff, dude. Yes, someone went in and adjusted his 2K slider. Yeah, he's been getting them badges, bro. Yeah, <laughs> put it in the put it in the work on my my league. Yeah, you know, clearly got really good players. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I I dabble a little bit. I dabble. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, um, guys, that pretty much wraps us up. Unless there's any last topic you want to jump on. Uh, yeah, Al Farouk Aminu. I definitely think Ooh. he could be a very cheap wing player this off season. Brendan. I agree. I'd be for it. Um, I think he's been a little bit inconsistent, but I would like him as a... If he'd be willing to play that back of four, I'm unsure what the market for him would be, though. I don't see it being super crazy. I, bl- no. I, believe, he, I believe he's about to turn 35 or 36 years old, so really? I, think wherever, I think wherever he goes... Yeah, he's definitely in his mid-30s now. I think wherever he goes, it would be one of those at, towards the end of the summer, you know, better like veteran minimum contract with a contender, uh, you know, if he doesn't sign in a place like Boston or Philly or Milwaukee, he'll probably end up step, so, signing with the Lakers or signing with uh, with the Golden State Warriors. God forbid, Warriors get yeah. another player that makes their cogs continue turning. But uh, <laughs> oh, and also, uh, how, how how old? He is, he is 28, actually. Fuck I get what you mean, though. I mean, this, though, he's yeah, yeah, this he picture, he looks like he's like 35. You're right, but he's 28. Wow, okay. That changes things a little bit. That definitely changes things. And his contract he's coming off of is four years, 30 million. I feel like he's going to try and get a little bit of a bag. I don't know if it's going to be there, but he's going to try. Well, he'll have to well, consider whether or not he wants to accept the 19 million on the table. That was a drive. That was a drug. Oh, okay. It was a joke that went over everybody's head. Oh, yeah, that one. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, I think I don't think Aminu will ever sniff. <laughs> Maybe over multiple years. Yeah. Oh, I feel silly now. Nobody got my joke. It's all right, man. That happens to me all the time. Absolutely all the time. It gets edited out and it never happened. No, I'm leaving it in there, dude. <laughs> so what? It was, I, about, I made, it was a joke. Nobody got it. I made jokes, uh, you know, going back to the whole Bruins thing. I made a couple of jokes about how hurricanes lose velocity as they move up into cold waters. No, no one at the bar the other night thought that was funny. I'm not sure <laughs> if they were wannabe hurricane fans or if they just didn't see the humor in my science joke. But uh, they might have I just been drunk and not understood the science joke. You know, that could be it. Uh, with the low education rate that already is in North Carolina alcohol certainly <laughs> doesn't improve people's train of thought and at that guys we're going to end the podcast uh, thank you for listening if you're a new time listener please subscribe leave a 5 star review on Apple if you're a long time listener and you haven't left a review please do it helps us out a lot and we'll catch you again later in the week peace peace guys